why the cost of fertilizer has gone over the last number of years and I suppose people are obviously very conscious of not wasting it and not applying it in kind of suboptimal conditions when grass growth isn't I suppose sufficient enough to uptake the nutrients. What I think we need to, where we need to go to is really is to thinking of slurry in the almost the exact same way. We have to kind of come away from this thing of we'll just apply it now because the open period is there. Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. As we prepare for the slurry spreading season, Pat Tuhi from Chagas and William Burchill from UCC join us to discuss the where, when and how much slurry to spread this spring and costings of storage investment. And first, William explained why there is a closed period for slurry spreading. The closed period varies across the country. And, you know, Ireland has been broken down into three zones and people will be familiar with these. So look in zone A, which is kind of down in, let's say, Cork County side of the country. You know, that has a closed period for slurry from the 13th of January to the 30th of September this year. And zone B then is the 16th of January to the 30th of September. And zone C, which would be up in Cavan Monaghan area, that has a closed period from the 1st of February to the 30th of September. So, look, it varies across the country in terms of which zone you are in terms of the length of the slurry closed period. And it's important that, look, we adhere to the slurry closed period because um, really, you know, all of the science that's been done on this is very clearly showing that during this period of time is the key risky period in terms of nutrient loss from land to, to water. So look, you know, this time of the year is is very typical in terms of lower soil temperatures, lower grass growth. So, you know, when we don't have grass growth, there isn't going to be the capacity to take up nutrients that are applied. So you have that's one factor. And the other factor then is that you also have a period of the year where you're having excess rainfall. And again, you know, at this time of the year, every bit of water that's falling on soils now is starting to percolate down through the soil profile. And any nutrients that are being applied, they're not going to be taken up by grass and they're vulnerable then to be, I suppose, flushed or washed down through the soil um, in terms of you know driving nutrient losses to water so it's something we have to be very care- careful and conscious of um, even if we do get a, a dry period of weather within the closed period there still isn't going to be a major level of nutrient uptake in the harbour so again those those nutrients will sit there and if you're getting a heavy rainfall even if it's a week or two later um, you know, there's a very high risk of those nutrients being lost. So that's, that's the main reason why the closed period is there. And, you know, a lot of the work that's been done, especially through the catchments program, is clearly showing that it's the high risk period. So we must be conscious of that and we must ensure that we do not spread during this closed period. And to you, Pat, um, you know, based on the dates that William has presented to us, um, you know, people are in the situation where anywhere in the next week to three weeks, they're allowed to get out with slurry on the land. So at this point, under pressure, perhaps in terms of slurry storage, um, the reality for many farms is there's more slurry storage needed. Um, if we look at the main options from an Irish context, what are the types of 
slurry storage that people are investing in and, and maybe with each specific one what are the costs associated with each yeah absolutely there is an element of pressure there um in some cases more than others so there look there needs to be in consideration in terms of relieving that pressure the the, the direct route to relieve that is to to increase the capacity that we have um in the yard so Look, there was recently an analysis done in terms of cost for a number of different options. The the first option that we had was a, a slatted tank, um, a, a nine foot deep by 16 foot wide was coming in at about 450 euro per foot of length. And just for round figures, then we, we, we calculated for a 200 cow herd and for a 20 week close period. As William said, it ranges from 16 to 22 weeks. So we took a, a round number in the middle there just so people can adjust accordingly. But that, that was coming in at about 790 euro per cow. Um, an overground tower um, with a cover and a, an agitator and a reception tank was coming in at uh, the other side of 800 euro, 835 euro per cow. So similar. The other option then, which is an option in some cases, is, is the slurry bag option, which is suited to dilute slurry um, with less than 4% dry matter. And that's a, a cheaper option at €325 Euro per cow. Um, so as I said, it's it's a consideration, certainly, uh, for some people who are going to be or who are under pressure as we speak and who are looking maybe into the future to say how we might um, offer or reduce that pressure in, in, in upcoming winters or upcoming close periods. And, and Pat, out, out of those three options, your slatted tank, overground tower and the slurry bag, what do you see as the preferred option for dairy farmers in Ireland? It depends on, on the circumstances. Um, you know, each are suited to their own particular um, cases. I suppose it's horses for courses. Uh, as I said, the slurry bags is, is is a cheaper option and it's suited to more dilute slurry. Um that are two or much of a muchness then in terms of cost and depending on space requirements or depending on, you know, the slatted tank will obviously allow for additional housing if that was to be roofed and and, and cubicles and everything else added in. Um, so again, depending on the other pressures that might be there, those options will suit different people at different times. And I guess to both of you, I was at your session at the recent National Dairy Conference in Kilkenny and I suppose there was a, a debate and, and a good conversation with the crowd um, in terms of the, I suppose, the availability and the requirement of slurry storage but um, and, you know, how soon you get out and when to get out. So maybe first to you, William, like a comment on that and, you know, how should we be managing slurry in the coming weeks? What we traditionally would have done is, you know, we would have applied slurry maybe as soon as possible after the close period opened. And that'll obviously vary again across the country. But like one thing I think we need to start thinking about really in terms of the way we manage a slurry is you kind of have to ask yourself the question, if I wasn't prepared to go out with bag fertilizer today, like, should you be prepared to go out with slurry? Um, in terms of getting a good response and a good efficiency from the nutrients within that within that slurry. You know, we'd often see that farmers will chance going with slurry first. You know, they kind of, they'll take the chance with that, whereas they will usually hold off with fertilizer because, you know, again, we see see the cost, the way the cost of fertilizer has gone over the last number of years. And I suppose people are obviously very conscious of not wasting it and not applying it in kind of suboptimal conditions when grass growth isn't, I suppose, um, I suppose sufficient enough to uptake the nutrients. 
what I what I think we need to, where we need to go to is really is to thinking of slurry in the almost the exact same way. We have to kind of come away from this thing of we'll just apply it now because the open period is there. I think we have to kind of utilize it and think of it in the exact same way as we think of chemical fertilizer and just look to even kind of put a value on it. You know, two or three years ago, slurry was worth around 20 euros per thousand gallons. If we looked at the nitrogen, uh, potassium and phosphorus within it. But the value of slurry has actually increased almost twofold. You know, when the fertilizer prices were at their peak, that that was somewhere close to 40 euros per thousand gallons. At the moment now, it's somewhere somewhere around the 35 euros, 30 to 35 euros per thousand gallons mark. So, you know, it's a significant source of um, nutrient on the farm. And for a lot of farms, it may be the actually only source of phosphorus that we actually have available to us. You know, for some farms that are in derogation and if they have, you know, good, maybe reasonably good levels of phosphorus in their soil samples already, they won't have an allowance for phosphorus. So, you know, the only actual nutrient source for phosphorus on some farms would only be in the slurry that they have. So, you know, we really have to make sure that we make use of it and that it's applied in the appropriate time and the appropriate place to get the maximum benefit from it. And on that, Pat, I mean, you know, it's a good point William makes in terms of um, are you prepared to go with your bagged fertilizer? If not, should you be going with your slurry? But in terms of, I suppose, um, customizing it or you know feel specific um you know has the trend moved away from i know this is a dry field i need to get out with slurry um you know is it moving more towards i know where the the fields that require the slurry yeah to a certain degree that the movement is in that direction but i suppose we need to to move more quickly in that direction i mean william has said a lot there in terms of the nutrient value but I suppose the flexibility or lack thereof is the issue. When it comes to mid-January, the the pressure is on and it's a matter of getting rid of a problem in terms of a, a burden and you have no other option only to, to empty the slurry tank. Whereas with uh, appropriate capacity and appropriate storage and, and, and scope for what William was talking about in terms of are you willing to spread bag fertilizer versus slurry, if if the the flexibility is there, you have capacity to use the resource for all it's worth, as opposed to seeing it as a burden and and something to be gotten rid of in in mid January, um and you're forced then, as you said, Emily's into the drier parts of the farm, um, whereas you've more scope to to go to all parts of the farm if if you have capacity to to push beyond that that mid January time of the year or what have you. So so it, it's all about options, I suppose, or flexibility and, and making use of the slurry as opposed to having it as a burden or a problem to be dealt with um, when 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 the time comes in terms of when the when the close period ends. William, you mentioned you know perhaps forty euro per thousand gallons of slurry, um, you know as it stands in recent years given the price of bagged fertilizer but um i guess given what uh, pat has mentioned in terms of the variability um you know if uh, unroofed um slurry versus roofed and also the different types of stock that are in um in sheds be it a dry cow a milking cow uh, growing stock or finishing finishing animals um can you talk us a little bit about the variability that you could expect 
in terms of your NP and K profile, depending on the type of storage and the type of animal that the slurry has been collected from. A long number of years ago, Chagas would have gone out onto a large number of farms and test the slurry across numerous farm systems, different enterprises, different sheds, different tanks and so forth. And like the values that we've been using as an average value for the last number of years is that a thousand gallons of slurry will deliver around nine units of nitrogen, um, around five units of P and 32 units of potassium. And that's that's an average value that we've kind of been using for, for a long number of years. But like you said, um, Louise, there's a huge amount of variability across around that. So just, to, just by way of an example there, a few years ago, I did a bit of a slurry testing campaign with a number of farmers in the, the dairy gold catchment area. And a major thing that we found was that there was massive variability, particularly based on the type of tank that the slurry came out of. So like what we generally found was the more covered the tank was, um, the higher the dry matter the slurry was. And as a result, then you had higher nutrient contents. You know, for example, we had some slurries coming back in at closer to 12 units of nitrogen per thousand gallons. Um, whereas, you know, and maybe more open tanks or even say open towers or even in lagoons, you know, that nitrogen content could be down to maybe six or seven units of nitrogen per thousand gallons. So, you know, almost a twofold difference in the nutrient content, depending on the type of tank and literally I suppose how much how much water is actually getting into the tank and what level of dilution is there so that was one factor and another thing that we saw as well um was particularly for some of the farms where they had um say a group of stock of finishing stock maybe finishing bulls and were feeding a good level of concentrates um we often saw that the phosphor contents in those slurries were actually um, you know, significantly higher than the the average value of five units per thousand gallons that we would typically would have had associated with um with slurry. So, like what we kind of found from that campaign is that even within the same farmyard, slurry from two different tanks were could be could be quite different. So you know, I think one thing that can really be done is to look at going off and actually testing your slurry this this coming winter um you know from the farms that have done it they found it as to be a very useful tool like just some some of the very practical things that people have done with the information is that they'll find the slurry that has the highest p and k content in in, in the in the ta- in the air and that's generally the slurry with the highest dry matter and they're typically just saving that slurry and using it for their silage ground so they're maximizing the recycling of P and K back onto their silage ground or even onto ground as well, obviously that's low in index three or, or low in indexes for P and K as well. Um, so now they're making better use of that. And then perhaps a tank in the yard that's that little bit more dilute will have a little bit less P and K and nitrogen in it. They're typically applying that on the grazing platform. So that's obviously helping in terms of washing and reducing the contamination on the grass. And also as well, um, 
you know, the fact that animals are grazing on the grazing platform, there's a lot of recycling in the dung and urine on the field. So those fields typically don't have as high a demand for P and K. So, you know, there's some really simple things, you know, and even the most practical thing is it's really given people who've tested an appreciation for what's actually in the slurry. Um, and really give, helping them to guide where to put it and even helping them to ju- a better judge, you know, the application rate that they apply the slurry at. And, and William, John and Brendan Walsh would have introduced me to the practice of um, slurry testing late last year. And I guess, you know, that that's potentially from uh, that's a William Birchall effect, maybe with the slurry test campaign. But I suppose to give people guidance when do you do the test? Um, uh, you know, the I suppose the length of time from testing to results and the cost of doing it. Yeah, so the best timing for it, um, Emily-Louise, is literally the first time you agitate the tank after the winter to go spreading. So what's really, what's really important is that the slurry is really well agitated so that you mix up the crust and the liquid part at the bottom. That's very important. And then, you know, again, you have, again, obviously you have to be extremely careful when you're doing this. Usually what farmers are doing is they'll, they'll spread two or three loads of slurry. Then the fourth or fifth load of slurry, they'll take out, um, suck out a load of slurry and literally open, it's a dirty job, open the back hatch of the tank just for a split second into a bucket and typically you pour about half a litre of slurry then into a sealed container and then that can be posted off then um, to, you know, the majority of the labs in the country that do soil testing will test slurry as well. So timing wise is the first time you agitate the tank, um, half a litre of slurry must be well agitated and cost wise you're talking around somewhere between 50 to 60 euros plus fat. So maybe, you know, with fat on top, it's probably 70 or 80 euros a sample. But look, you know, if your system doesn't change that much from year to year, you know, that that test can be quite representative for a number of years. And, you know, given the cost of fertilizer, it's, it's a very small cost overall. And and to you, Pat, um, I suppose looking at another aspect of slurry storage, you were working on a project with uh, 100 dairy farms across Ireland and you're measuring volumes of slurry and dairy washings. Now, while you're in the early days and you don't have multiple years of results to present to us, um, you know, can you explain the reason for this work? Yeah, so that's an ongoing project. We were asked to do it, I suppose, in summer of 2022. Um there was discussions around this issue in terms of the current regulations and the allowances that are there in terms of, of capacity. Um, and it was it was funded and set up then in, in October of last year. So it's a two and a half year project. Um, it'll be running until April 2025. Um, so in, in, truth, in truth, I suppose, we have... Uh, uh, a fairly short lead in to last winter and the closed period. So we had an, a, a few farms set up, but now we're in the real um, heart of it, I suppose, this winter and next winter in terms of, um, you know, all the 100 farms set up. So they're spread across the country. And, and the question is um, around volumes of dairy, soil, water and, and slurry being produced on those farms. 
the current allowances or, or, or capacity is um, that's allowed for is 30 litres per cow per day for soiled water and 48 litres per cow per day for slurry, plus an allowance for any runoff from uncovered yards uh, and so on. So the monitoring program is 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 measuring volumes collected uh, in those 100 farms. Uh, it's looking at all the inputs then in terms of stock numbers and the management of that stock in terms of what stock relates to which tank, uh, the routine around washing and, and parlor details and the size and type of parlor. Um, and as I mentioned, any uncovered areas uh, or runoff areas or silage effluent or anything else that may be contributing to the to the total volume being collected as well as as a, a a scheme of sampling so we'll be testing all those tanks as william has described in terms of getting a, a view on what's happening in terms of constituents for ph npk and dry matter um so yeah we're we're in the heart of that that work and it'll be i suppose we'll have a, a fairly solid basis to work off kind of after this winter but really and truly the the, the full picture will be there after two winters or two years of this i suppose it, both the slurry and the soil water question um so it's it's in the pipeline but it, it'll be coming in the next uh you know couple of couple of years and i think your point pat on the multiple years is important because you know i suppose depending on where you are in the country people are very happy with the level of rainfall this year and the was the lack of of drought or dry uh, spells on the farm and then conversely other farmers were under pressure um, a point that um, you know a lot of advisors would make when they're out on farm is you know looking at channels and um, you know I suppose harvesting or diverting rainwater away from slurry tanks does that have a major contributing factor to levels of slurry that's accumulated across the entire year yeah, and we're we're looking, I suppose, at, at a lot of raw da- data that's there now. Um, but that's something that's that's quite visual, especially in the year that's in it. Um, you know, we've had lots of very heavy rain since since late June, early July, really. So we're we're six months into that at this stage or more. Um, so that is showing up tanks that are that are more exposed to rainfall versus those that are that are better covered or better um, isolated from runoff. Um, not so much, not just in terms of roofing or covering, but what's running off other adjacent yards or adjacent areas is, is quite clear in some tanks um, when you're getting a, a wet few days or a wet week or or, or what have you. Um, so that's something I think that's that's quite clear already from from the information that we're collecting, and and we'll be able to establish exactly. Uh, in different parts of the country, what that what that effect is as as the project develops. If we look at I suppose the the date we're we're, we're sitting down today, you know, as we say, we're we're going to be out with slurry in the coming weeks. Maybe from each of you, um, your top one or two tips, um, in terms of maximizing the value you're going to get from your slurry this spring. To you, William. Yeah. So Emily, I just I just say to people that they must remember that. Up to 80% of the nutrient value in their slurry is from the P&K. And just a very quick guide on that then to maximize your use of slurry is how you're going to spread it. So first of all, being the technique, um, maybe using trailing shoe or dribble bar, and that will maximize the nitrogen value. Um, where, where in terms of where you're going to spread it, you know, your silage ground, your low index P&K ground, and also as well, how much as well, you know, getting the application rate right for the appropriate field, whether it is for silage ground or for grazing ground, that's that's very important. And actually testing will actually help you inform your decision on that. 
And to you, Pat. Yeah, William has has covered most of it there. To be to be honest, uh, Emma Louise, I suppose the other thing in in light of of my work or the stuff we've discussed is is to be aware of that runoff issue and rain rainwater getting into tanks and the dilution effect that's there. And as I said, it's quite clear looking at the data that we're building um, where that's an issue. So again, just simple things in terms of diverting runoff, um, being aware of it as an issue. Uh, and making sure that 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 contribution isn't being is, isn't being added, and you know, in weeks, and we've seen plenty of them where you're getting, you know, five six inches of rain in 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 a couple of days or in a week. Um, if that's falling on a large area and is finding its way into exposed or open tanks, um, that's a significant uh, additional capacity that's that's being that's being used up, and it's it's diluting uh, the slurry that's there in terms of of affecting the the. The nutrient value of it so that would be very much something to keep an eye on thank you pat and william I, th- I think the conversation has been interesting we're dealing with two different dynamics here we obviously have the short term we're getting out with slurry this spring and and you know i suppose you've both identified how we can do that um you know to to add value to the farm but also you know particularly um your information that you've provided pat in terms of costing of of various um, investments in slurry storage, looking at that longer term view, um, you know, looking, you know, making slurry a valuable resource on farm rather than a problem in the in the first few weeks of the opening period. Pat and William, thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Pat Tuhi and William Burchill for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review, and listen on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and join us next time for your Dairy Edge. <laughs>